Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm a professional speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Sharon and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And, you know, we took turns vacationing this last couple months. And Sharon is finally back today after an extended vacation that included Europe. Boy, I'll tell you, (laughs) that must be a big switch to come back, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's good to get back and get back into my routine. But, boy, I did enjoy my my time away, I have to admit. And and with that, I wanted to just um, deviate a little bit from our uh, normal way we start our, our shows and just chat just for a second about a book I was actually reading um, on my way home. And it's called Life on Purpose, How Living for What Matters Changes, uh, excuse me, how, how Living for What Matters Most Changes Everything. And it's by, doc, uh, by Victor Stretcher. And he's a scientist, which is interesting. It and is. he's talking all about life purpose and how it actually can change our lives, not just from a, an emotional or social perspective, but from a physiological perspective. And he wrote, and I'll just read it real quickly. If purpose were a drug, so let's imagine a drug that was shown to add years to your life, reduce the risk of heart attack and stroke, cut your risk of Alzheimer's disease by more than half, help you relax during the day and sleep better at night, double your chances of staying drug and alcohol-free after treatment, activate your natural killer cells, That goes with our cancer people, right? Diminish your inflammatory cells, increase your good cholesterol, and repair your DNA. What if this imaginary drug reduced hospital stays so much that it could put a dent in the national health care crisis? Oh, and as a bonus, gave you better sex. (laughs) I'm like... Okay, sign me up. And <laughs> honestly, he he goes on and explains very, very specific studies that have been done about people having a purpose that is bigger than you and being able to actually reduce your risk of Alzheimer's by two point four times that's awesome things like that it was just uh, you know it really was kind of mind-blowing so I haven't finished the book but so far it's been, been pretty amazing so I would well, definitely you know, you suggest me, it you sent me a link to his TEDx talk that he did which I'm really excited to listen to as soon as we're off the air can you spell his name so if people want to search him through TEDx just so Absolutely. they get their name Right. So it's uh, last name is S T R E C H E R. Okay, and his first name was Victor. Victor. Yes. Cool. 
Well, the, I, I'm really excited to listen to that. You you seem to somehow pick out the best books to read and get inspired by. I'm always very I impressed do. with <laughs> the library. <laughs> I do like to do that. So, yeah, yes. Very good. Well, today's speakers, our guests today, I think really kind of fall into that purpose life because they are doing something pretty awesome. And they're both involved in cancer rehabilitation. And we're going to talk about that. Cancer rehabilitation is an essential part of high-quality cancer care care that can accelerate a person to maintaining their highest quality of life throughout their cancer journey. Today's interview will cover common side effects, physical impairments from cancer and its treatments, benefits of cancer rehabilitation during surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, and then understanding the role of of each rehab team member involved in the cancer journey. And we have two very special ladies who are going to take us through this journey today, and that's Kristen Carroll and Jillian Schmidt. They're going to talk with us about cancer rehabilitation and how to thrive from diagnosis and beyond. Welcome, Kristen and Jillian. We're so happy to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Sharon and Becky. Great. Absolutely. We're excited to talk to you about um, all these different things. It's like, so let's just jump right in. And what is cancer rehabilitation? I haven't actually heard that specific term. Yeah, that's a good question. So cancer rehab is a, it's a team-based approach. It's, it can be on an inpatient or an outpatient basis. And it's, it can be made up of, of some of these team members or just a few of them, but they can be nurses and social workers, exercise physiologists, um, physiatrists, which are physicians that specialize in uh, physical rehabilitation medicine. And then, of course, our, our physical therapists, our occupational therapists, and our speech therapists. And the purpose of cancer rehab is really to help people regain their strength, their, their function, and their independence during or or after a cancer diagnosis. And who are we talking who are we talking to? Is this Jillian or This is Kristen, Kristen? I'm sorry. Yeah, this is That's Kristen. okay. You know, we we kind of jumped right in and we forgot to sort of ask you guys to tell us a little bit about yourselves first. Do you mind? And then then that way we'll know your voices better. <laughs> we'll know who's answering the questions. And if you don't mind, let's start with Jillian. Jillian, why don't you just take a minute and just give us a little background on you and kind of what you do and and all of that. Would that be sure. all right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm Jillian, and um, I've been a licensed physical therapist for about 16 years, and I've really had uh, a great time in my career. I've had the opportunity to work in a lot of different areas of physical therapy, uh, in orthopedics, of course, as did some pediatrics and corporate health, uh, and then, of course, some oncology. Um, but over the last six years or so, my focus has really shifted from patient care more to the operations and management and really consulting um, within uh, physical therapy and, and rehab in general. And really for the past three years, I focused entirely on oncology and particularly mm-hmm. oncology rehab and survivorship services for our patients. Okay, that's, that's good. So you're kind of more the administrative end of pulling all these pieces together and making the whole thing flow like yeah, a jigsaw know, puzzle. Yeah, I, I think I... I think I just sort of fell in love with the business part of it. Of uh-huh. course, I love my, my patient care, and I think it's really important that I spent a lot of time in patient care and really mm-hmm. understand, um, understand things from the patient's perspective and then, of course, understanding things from a caregiver's perspective uh, mm-hmm. because I've had family members, of course, that have 
um, you know, experienced cancer and cancer diagnosis and cancer treatments. And so, um, but really, you know, when I started doing some consulting a few years ago and uh, really just fell in love with the idea that we could uh, make a difference um, sort of at the top end and, and see a great impact on a lot of patients, that was really, uh, really exciting. That's wonderful. And, you know, when Sharon and I started Breast Friends 17 years ago, we both, you know, you come to you come together with your specific skills and talents. And, and if everyone wanted to do exactly the same part of the business, the other part of the business would get neglected. It's really important that you've got that piece that you can pull that and do the business end of things. So that's great. Let's talk to Kristen for a minute. Kristen, tell us about you and how you got into the work that you do and what part do you do? Um, so I'm a physical therapist, and mm-hmm. uh, my, my mom and my grandmother are breast cancer survivors, uh-huh. and my brother is a brain cancer survivor, so cancer oh and side effects are not foreign to me. So when I was a, a site director um, at a large Hartf- uh, system in Hartford, one of our um, cancer physicians asked if I would develop a breast cancer rehab specialty in my clinic to help support the community needs of, you know, these women and men that were going through cancer treatment. And mm. so for me, it really was a natural progression for me to go on and take some advanced coursework in cancer rehabilitation so that I could really help support my community. And, and yes, you know, as we know, there's one in eight. Sometimes here in Connecticut, it's one in, in six for breast cancer. So mm-hmm. I've had many friends go through it, you know, again, family. And uh, so it just really has become my passion and and, you know, Jillian and I share so much of the same vision that for me, too, I, I felt that I was a PT for 27 years and I still have my hand in treating patients because I love that one-on-one care. But I really felt that this was such a need that we had to make sure that every person going through cancer could really make sure they got the services that they needed. Um, so that's how we started on our journey with our company um, and I, you know, we, we both kind of, you know, we're like yin and yang. We kind of do the both, kind of like the both of you guys do with yours. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I sometimes do a little bit more of the clinical piece of it just because I, mm-hmm. I have some experience in cancer rehab. Sure. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. and I, I want to talk about that, too, because this is a huge um, uh, change, I guess, in the whole uh, environment of cancer. Because, again, I'm a 23-year survivor, almost 24. And basically, I had surgery, I had chemo, and I went back to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And there was right. not any even discussion about um, having PT or any sort of other types of treatment, you know, to deal with the side effects. You just kind of did it. And and so I'm so happy to see that this is now just a very um, common uh, kind of, you know, you have surgery, you have breast surgery and like a mastectomy and you're cutting all sorts of stuff and all of a sudden now you don't have your range of motion. So you just automatically go into PT. It's pretty much at least here locally in Oregon, it tends to be pretty much automatic now. Don't you think, Becky? Yeah, they definitely come kind of full circle on that. And, you know, I I think that once the awareness gets kind of created around that, people really want to provide the best service possible. Oh, absolutely. And this is definitely, you know, a way to do that with the nurse navigators and and all these people now that kind of embrace the, the patient when they come in. There's 
a lot more conversation around what their needs are and they're finding the pieces and putting them together. I Yes, I agree. It's it's getting a lot better. Can I go back and just ask you a question, Kristen? You said one in six get breast cancer in, in Connecticut. Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Do we in know why? Specifically, That's... yeah, in my town specifically. You know, there's there's a lot of speculation, certainly, about it. Um, sometimes, just they say, in some of the more affluent towns, there's more awareness, there's more education. Mm-hmm. So whether that's more people are just diagnosed in, in other states and towns in Connecticut, they're, they're not. Uh, Connecticut, but, you know, a lot of other states, too. It's, it's a huge farming community where we are in Glastonbury, Connecticut, and so not sure if they were particular, um, you know, pesticides or environmental pesticides, agents that yeah. we use here. Mm-hmm, it, you know, yeah. it's, so, it's such a conglomeration between your genetics and mutations and environment and and, uh, you know, it's, so it's hard to say, but it, it certainly, um, you know, kind of made me want to move out of Glastonbury for a little while, but <laughs> yeah. now I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, well, the yeah. bells went off in my head when you said that because I hadn't, I've never heard that number. And that's frightening to me to think that well, it could and, be going that and direction. And I guess, and Oregon and Washington have always been kind of on the top of the cancer, right along with Connecticut. But at the same time, um, I think of some of ours is they're, they're talking about, you know, the vitamin D or lack of it because it is so cloudy here a lot and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, there's, and, and of course there could be pesticides as well. I mean, a lot of different factors. There's just, there's no real firm answers still, you know, after all these years of research of, of really why why that number is high. But, uh, right. yeah, it's kind of scary stuff. Yeah. So, well, let's get back to cancer rehabilitation. And, and what are some of the common side effects and physical um, difficulties that, that you guys end up treating it with cancer uh, rehabilitation? Sure. Well, there's, I don't have to tell you two ladies because you've certainly been through them, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of your listeners as well. There are a lot of them, uh, and certainly these side effects and impairments, they really depend on the type of treatment that you have, uh, the multiple different phases of treatment that you have to go to, through. But the treatments really are, um, they're targeted based on what the therapists find, but also what we call in the rehab world evidence-based medicine. So we really use research to guide us to the best treatments for certain diagnoses. So for, you know, in this case, it, it, we know certain treatments work better um, in cancer populations, for example, uh, chemo-induced peripheral neuropathies. Um, there are certain specific treatments that we use for that, um, and that's why it's important to go see a cancer rehabilitation specialist because some, you know, all physical therapists and, and speech and language and occupational therapists are trained um, to treat most dysfunctions of any di- any kind of diagnosis. But cancer is just very different because of the chemotherapy, the different drugs, and the side effects. Um, and so that's what makes cancer just very, very different and why it's important to make sure that we have mm-hmm. uh, people that are specialized to treat that. But um, some of the, com- you know, so many of them are common. I think um, everyone knows about lymphedema. Everyone is scared about lymphedema. But lymphedema really is, is one of many, many physical impairments. And that's the other thing that, you know, really want to shed some light on that cancer-related fatigue is, is a huge, huge problem. Huge. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very debilitating. It's not just that you've had a long day and I'm tired, let me go lay down. It's a, just a very disproportionate 
amount of fatigue where people just have mm-hmm. to sit down or just stop doing what they're doing right now and just don't have the ability to carry on with their simple tasks of life. Um, right. And, uh, you know, dizziness and some of these neuropathies, um, the vestibular nerve is also affected by chemotherapy. So uh, many of our, our cancer survivors have this dizziness or this vertigo um, that is coming from chemotherapies. And so there is um, some research going on in that right now. Uh, you know, as you said, it's, it's an emerging field. It's been around for a long time. We've been treating cancer patients for a long time, but there really hasn't been the research behind it. So mm-hmm. we really want to drive our care with, with research. Um, certainly pain, uh, balance issues, weakness, post-operative swelling in general be- before it even gets to, to a lymphedema, you know, just re- helping to restore range of motion. Uh, memory and concentration issues are, are huge. Uh, you know, people often call it chemo brain, um, I kind of as a joke, but it, it really is, is, again, very debilitating. People can't go back to their jobs. They can't balance their checkbooks. They can't remember where they've left things. And so it, it really... Um, it really yeah, it's a problem. Their, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. impairs your higher level thinking. And um, yeah. again, our our rehab therapists can help with this. Uh, you know, de- intimacy and sexual issues, arthralgias. Some of the medications that our breast cancer patients are on, uh, the aromatase inhibitors, really pull uh, estrogen out of your body. So that affects our you know our our intimacy and our body uh, bone loss from from these um, aromatase inhibitors. And, uh, you know, different kinds of cancers uh, can cause swallowing difficulties and, and things like that, incontinence. So it just, it really, um, there's, a, there's a lot of them. And uh, a lot of these impairments are what I like to call um, cause unnecessary suffering because these are all things that, that rehabilitation can help with. And they can really help either totally eliminate them or, or vastly improve them. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you know, to where to you, can, point, you can live yeah, with it. Right. And to mm-hmm. your point before, that's why Jillian and I have a company now, because yeah. we are helping hospitals to really teach them that you, it has to be part of that care. And mm-hmm. rehab, rehab departments are often in, in different buildings or across town in the cancer centers. You know, your nurses, your nutritionists, your social workers, they're inside the center, but a lot of times... You know, even culture, it's a different culture. We just don't mm-hmm. really know each other because we don't work mm-hmm. in the same building. And right. honestly, you know, providers don't really know what we all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you so know what? We need to actually go out to break. So we're going to take a break. But I, I wanted to just say something. Uh, when you mentioned early on when you were talking about some of the symptoms, you talked about neuropathy. That is something we haven't spent a great deal of time talking about on our show. And I would really like to kind of delve into that a little bit more, like what kind of help is there for women with neuropathy? Because that is something that can linger and go on for the rest of your life in some cases. Some of the fatigue issues, some of those other issues kind of can clear up, but neuropathy is one of those hard ones. If it's all right with you, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and let's pick that conversation up just a little bit. If you're listening with us right now live, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. (music) 
A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We have been talking about cancer rehabilitation, thriving from diagnosis and beyond with our guests, Jillian Schmidt and Kristen Carroll. So before we, um, you were, boy, it's amazing how many things that, that, really uh, a person can deal with after their cancer treatment and you know it's probably a good thing that we don't tell (laughs) them all of our patients exactly what could happen to them at all times because (laughs) woof you'd probably not not do your treatment at times um Yeah, but there's what, kind of a catch twenty two, huh? I, I mm-hmm. know it. I know. I know they. I know they have to kind of, you know, the doctors and nurses have to kind of tell the the basics. But boy, sometimes when you hear this long list, it makes you a little nervous. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about too um, was when do you start all of this? I mean, what if you like think, oh, it's going to get better because that's what your doctor has told you that you know this these these things, these side effects are going to get better and you don't start um, physical therapy right away or some of these other protocols. Um, uh, can that make a difference or what, what, how do you want to deal with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it, um, if you, it's really if, important to, to start cancer rehab and to seek support as soon as possible and sometimes even before 
cancer treatments begin uh, with some of our prehabilitation, which, uh, you know, prehab is, is a type of cancer rehab that really happens before the cancer treatments or the surgery. And it really can change their, uh, their options, their treatment options for some patients. Uh, for example, some of our patients that have uh, lung disease may not initially be a surgical candidate. Uh, but starting some rehabilitation, some prehab for a few weeks can actually prepare them to endure a surgery that they they may not otherwise have been able to tolerate. And, oh, and this gives them a surgical option. Yeah, it's it's amazing how we can have some of these patients that didn't previously have a surgical option and their physicians uh, weren't confident that they would really even make it off the table from a surgery, um, and they go wow. through some prehab. And they're actually offered a surgical option, and this can dramatically improve their survivability of certain cancers, especially lung cancer. So we we do have these wonderful stories of patients that have come in very debilitated, um, you know, and they come in with a diagnosis, and they're not really given an opportunity to have a surgical option, and uh, they go through some prehab. And we've even had patients come through and say they're in better shape now than, you know, after their (laughs) surgery, after their cancer diagnosis. Uh, yeah, it's before. a great concept. And I've so, never, you know, yeah, the term well, I, prehab, I hadn't heard about that until a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We had a guest on our show well, that talked about prehab, and I just thought, that is such a great concept. And it's, I think it's it a relatively new term. What do you think? Well, and, is, you know, I, 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 an analogy I really like to use is it's like running a marathon. So mm-hmm. you can think of cancer and cancer treatments as, as running a marathon, and you'd never yeah. think of running a marathon without preparing and training for it. But yet these people come in and they get these diagnoses and they're basically told you're going to run a marathon and you don't have any time to plan or prepare or get yourself in shape for it. Oh boy. So I love a that. Great analogy. Yeah. yeah. If it's an opportunity really to give you some time to prepare. Now, you can't always hold off on cancer treatments or surgeries, obviously, if you have a real aggressive, sur- or a real aggressive diagnosis. But um, that's obviously something you talk to your physician about, your oncologist, and, and they make those types of decisions. Um, but those, those types of um, prehab programs are becoming very popular and, and mm-hmm. very, very successful. They're helping patients tolerate their treatments stay on their chemo and their mm-hmm. radiation regimens. And, and you would ask, you know, is it important when you start cancer rehab? Absolutely. It is absolutely important to start it as soon as possible. Um, if you have pre-existing conditions, cancer rehab can help those existing conditions, those impairments from getting worse during the course mm-hmm. of, of cancer and the cancer treatments. We know that coming into it with certain conditions are just going to get much, much worse as you're going through chemo or radiation, and cancer rehab can really prevent a lot of that, um, a lot of that progression and that worsening. And then we also know that patients can have treatments or have uh, symptoms and and problems that occur, um, you know, months and even years after diagnosis and after treatments. So if you're starting to experience symptoms that are coming up. Um, long after you're done with cancer treatment, then you really need to, to speak up and talk to your primary care physician or your oncologist and, uh, and get into the services that can help you guys with those, those types of issues. Well, let me so, speak. Let me ask you a question about that. You know, I, I, on my second battle through cancer was in 2004, and I was on a chemotherapy drug. It's called Taxol. It's pretty commonly used. And one of the side effects of Taxol is neuropathy. And they do say that most people will have it for a while and then it will go away. And I did get it pretty quickly. 
and I thought it would go away, and it didn't. And now here it is 13 years later, and my feet are worse than ever. I've talked to other women who've experienced neuropathy and have gone in for some kind of specialty treatment or whatever, and they're having literally no success with that. Is there anything someone, I mean, I'm looking at myself 10 years from now and thinking I'm going to be in a wheelchair, and I don't want to be in a wheelchair. What can I do now now that it's been so many years, and I know some of our listeners are just now going through it, but some are many years out. What can we do? Is there a treatment that's available for women like me who have neuropathy and it's getting worse? What, what do you do for someone like me? Absolutely, and it's, it's very common. Um, it's, and part of the problem, too, is that it's, it's, okay, we know you may get numbness and tingling. We know you're going to get mm-hmm. some neuropathies but not always referred to your professional to your professionals to help deal with that because it's sometimes um, you know when we know the certain effects of cancer treatments are going to be toxic people just say well I'll just deal with them right mm-hmm. so especially the group that you had the taxanes are very common for developing these chemotherapies so as we talked the different kinds of medications are going to determine and also how long you're on a chemotherapy drug many people it their cancer is a chronic disease now, so they're on chemotherapy forever. So right. that, that chemotherapy is going to be a, a constant, um, what we call neurotoxic effect. It's, it's, it's affecting your nerves in a very toxic way. Um, the good news is that there, there is emerging research that, um, that there are things that can help chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy. And the important thing is to have it evaluated by a physical therapist because there's three components to neuropathy. Your nerves make you feel. They make you work. Um, so it, your strength can be affected. Your sensory system of how you feel, sometimes it's very painful. It feels like glass as well as you just don't have the feeling. But it also can affect your autonomic nervous system, which is your blood pressure and things like that. So this little neuropathy that is like, oh, I can deal with that, it really is affecting three of your body's systems. Mm-hmm. So um, exercise is, is one of the, the, the biggest pieces of research that's coming out there that can help with neuropathy. Uh, really? Massage. Mm-hmm. Massage. Uh, okay. There's some studies on yoga. Uh, there's also a new treatment uh, called Calmere that is like a type of a TENS unit that um, is often given by pain management centers. Uh, and there's, a, you know, all of the research, you'll, you'll read a lot of research, and some of the research will say that it works, and then some of the research says that it doesn't. But mm-hmm. um, from, from my breast cancer patients that have reported they've been on Calmere, they have had like a 50 to an 80% improvement in their symptoms. So, oh, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So there, there is, but you know, just just like exercise helps with fatigue, it just the stronger you can get your muscles, your little muscles in your feet, and more sensory input to those to those nerves, and improving um, all of those deficits can help with with the neuropathies. And if it's neuropathies in your hands, uh, your occupational therapist, your hand therapist, really. Um, specialize in, in helping the neuropathies of the hand, uh, whereas okay. the, the peripheral neuropathies of your feet are, are more for the physical therapist to address. Okay. You know, I know one of the well, commonly just, prescribed drugs for chemo. I add, if, um, you know, even, even when you have permanent nerve damage and, and you may not get 
uh, all of your sensation back and, and all of your function. Um, what's great about cancer rehab and working with professionals that treat this is that they're going to give you the tools and the, the ability to make substitutions and to be more aware and have different types of um, solutions to movement problems so that you okay. don't have falls that are going to result in ER trips and things like that. So even if you can't get all the function back that you're really wanting, you're going to learn the skills and you're going to learn um, how to how to get by without having 100% mm-hmm. um, versus trying to figure it out on your own. There's a lot of uh, tricks of the trade that, we're, that we pass along to our patients um, that really help them prevent injury and, and, and things like that. Well, that's, that's good. That's good, good to, to know. know. Yeah. yeah. So one of the what, com- Let me just ask you a quick question, Sharon. Okay. One of the common drugs that are prescribed to people who have neuropathy is gabapentin. And I don't know how long-term use, the impact of long-term use on that. But I know a lot of women that are taking gabapentin to try to control this, this nerve issue in their feet or hands or wherever it is. Do you have any comments on that? Gabapentin it is a widely used um, medication to help control some of some of the nerve type symptoms. They also have some mm-hmm. topical gels uh, that okay. people do get relief of. But okay. um, again, you know, the medications do help somewhat, um, but people are on a lot of medications. So if you can identify really what the functional problem is and if it's a strength problem or, or a sensory issue that, that rehab can help and improve those symptoms and not have to take a medication that has side effects, you know, I think that that is, that is beneficial. You know, your, your body really does want to try to get back to its normal self, and sometimes mm-hmm. it just needs some facilitation and encouragement and, and guidance in how to get there. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I usually recommend seek out your, what we like to say, your conservative treatments first. And, um, you know, if, if you, you kind of maximize those and, and they're not helping, then, then move on, you know, to, to see okay. what else can, can help as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, we need to move on because we have still a lot more to talk about. So, Sharon, I think you had a couple more questions. Well, I, I know um, there are, you know, lots of different disciplines that treat a variety of ailments. Um, how do people with cancer know which one to go to? That's a great question. It's, it's very confusing to figure out who treats what <laughs> um, because there's often some overlap as well. Um, occupational therapy and speech therapy has some carryover when it terms of who treats the cognitive impairments. They treat higher level thinking and memory and concentration. Um, and physical therapy and occupational therapy, we all, both, both of us treat lymphedema. But the occupational therapists tend to focus on the upper extremities, uh, whereas the PTs will focus on lymphedema throughout the entire body. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it really is, PTs focus on function and the full body, OTs often focus on the activities of daily living that somebody needs to do and wants to do, but also can help on the cognitive piece. And then your speech and language therapists address communication, swallowing, and cognition as well. And what you'll find is you may go to a hospital and they don't have a speech and language therapist that's an expert in cancer rehab, so they may just have a PT and an OT 
also, um, you know, that occupational therapist would then be your, your resource for memory and, and attention issues. And uh, if you had upper extremity uh, lymphedema, uh, maybe the occupational therapist is the only one who is certified in lymphedema treatment, so you would see that person. Um, so it okay. really depends on the resources that you have within a certain facility uh, and the staffing. Um, but, but as a general guideline, the occupational therapists work on activities of daily living and upper extremity, and the PTs mm-hmm. work a lot on general fatigue and, and endurance and, and strengthening and um, also pelvic health issues, uh, balance and coordination. You know, it sounds an awful lot like a wellness program, but I know there's a difference. So why don't you speak to what is the difference between cancer rehabilitation and a wellness program? Absolutely. Uh, The big difference is is all the impairments that we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. if you skip over cancer rehab and you go right into our wellness programs that are very, very important, they help lower our risk factors, um, they really help to progress to an active lifestyle, and we there are many um, wellness programs that have specialists in, in cancer programming, and those are very important people to seek out. But cancer rehab addresses those impairments. We identify the source of it, and then we, we give very skilled and reimbursable treatment to make sure that we eliminate them or at least stabilize them so that you're really able to go into your wellness programs and be successful. Um, because there really is, is nothing more frustrating than having your, your medical teams and your therapists recommend that you progress to these wellness programs to help your reoccurrence rate and help your, you know, your body mass index stay low and, and help your, your mm-hmm. weight bearing. But if you, it, you can't do it because it hurts or you're too tired mm-hmm. or, you know, other reasons, then how disappointing is that to have a failed attempt? You're never going to try that again. That makes um, so much sense. It's kind of like fix the broken machinery before you try to maintain what you have because you don't right. want to maintain the broken machine. <laughs> you want to fix right. it. That yeah. makes right. perfect sense. Exactly. You know what? We're going to go out to break, and we'll, we can pick this up on the, last, uh, on the last segment. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our Women's Cancer Program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for uh, listening. We've been talking about cancer rehabilitation, thriving from diagnosis and beyond with our guests, Jillian Schmidt and Kristen Carroll. So let's kind of um, go back to where we were before the break and um talking about the differences between rehabilitation and and the wellness programs. I love that analogy that you gave. That's that's amazing. Um, and you had something else you wanted to talk about there, right? Yeah, it's important that you, you have a licensed therapist that really can progress you based on your physiological responses of your body. If you go right into a wellness program and or you go back into yoga or running and you're lymphatic system isn't ready for that or your musculoskeletal system is is tight or you lack range of motion, you can really overload your system and those are the things that can cause lymphedema and things like that. Mm. Uh, Also, Mm, attention to what we call oncologic emergencies and if an example of that is if you happen to have some some metastasis to your your bones um, from your breast cancer and you're at risk at fracture, with some of these different types of, of lesions. And so if you have, if you're running or if you're working with a trainer and you're doing some, you know, jumping squats or a weight training, you're, you're definitely at risk for, for a fracture. So mm-hmm. it's really important to have a medically trained, licensed rehab therapist who understands cancer-related issues. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to do was run after, you know, after I got all through this, I wanted to run. So I went and got great shoes. I put them by my door. I got dressed in the morning and I go out and run. The problem is the bottoms of my feet are numb. I can't feel them. And the mm-hmm. tops of my toes burn so bad. I couldn't get very far without having to stop, take off my shoes and let them breathe or something. And that's part of what you're saying. I mean, how fun is that to go out and run when your feet are killing you? It's not the shoes, it's the feet. And you have to fix the feet before you can really do that. And yet exercise is a good way to take care of that. Right. I'm really feeling stuck, you know. But I'm going to try what you said. I'm going to go talk to somebody who specializes in neuropathy and make sure that they're licensed and able to help me and just see what we can come up with. Thank you for all right. of that yeah. information. Yeah, for sure. And what other services are, are important to receive other than cancer rehab services? Right. Well, there's a, there's a lot of survivorship services. We, we call services that support patients and, and caregivers mm-hmm. 
um, physical, emotional, and financial needs during their cancer care. We call those mm-hmm. survivorship services. And, and these mm-hmm. are the services that directly affect um, someone's quality of life. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's several survivorship services out there, and some that you guys are probably familiar with are pain management and palliative care and hospice. But Absolutely. there's a lot of services out there that you're, you're not as familiar with, and, and some of these are um, you know, sexual health programs, spiritual care, counseling. There are support groups, uh, many, many support groups out there, financial assistance. Uh, nutritional and dietary counseling. And then, of course, there's integrative medicine like acupuncture and massage and chiropractic. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's many, many other survivorship services out there. But what people don't realize is that so many of these services are covered by insurance. Um, and, And really, they do improve the quality of life for patients and caregivers. And and, and many patients prioritize that over the, you know, the medications and the surgery um, to prolong their life. They, they want the quality of life. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to strike a good balance between yeah. uh, the medicine and the surgery and, and the survivorship that a patient is experiencing. Yeah, That's, we've had yeah. lots of conversations about that, especially when you're metastatic and you're, you know, you're you're making those really critical decisions about, you know, do you do that next round of chemo, even if it knocks your socks off, you know, um, right. and with with a low, you know, is it is it really going to make that much difference? Is it going to give me maybe two months extra to live? And yet that is not a good quality of life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to make some of these really hard decisions and, and decide on that quality of life. And that's, yeah. oof, it's a hard right. one, but. You know, you mentioned well, emotional support as one of the, the survivorship care services. And just for those who don't understand or don't know what Breast Friends is, that is what we do. We are an emotional support organization. If you ever need someone to talk to, you can reach out to us through our website, which is www.breastfriends.org where our headquarters are in Portland, Oregon. So keep that in mind. We're we're not a 24-hour hotline, but we do return phone calls the next business day if you miss us when we're not when we're not in, but we that's what we do and we've been doing it for a long time. We have staff and volunteers who are ready to talk to you and and help you through through the struggles. So that's our shameless plug because it's our show. We can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, All right. Well, what are, yeah, what are some of the challenges that you guys um, face when you're doing the work that you're doing? Okay. Well, I think um, this is Jillian. I think it's it's really difficult to convey just how important it is to have a collaborative approach to mm-hmm. cancer care and to really convince the entire team that each team member brings value and, and yeah. plays an important role in, the, in a patient survivorship, just like what we were talking about. Um, you know, in healthcare and particularly in oncology, we see a lot of teams working in silos and not communicating well mm. across the different departments. And, um, and there may even be some kind of intimidation that plays a role when we're attempting to, to build those relationships between physician groups and non-physician groups. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I find myself encouraging therapists and other survivorship service providers that, they need to value themselves. They need to value their roles and, and what they're able to contribute to the patient's quality of life and, and really speak up uh, because what they have to offer may be, may be exactly what the patient is looking for and needs more so than some of the more medical, um, mm-hmm. you know, opinions. But sometimes people tend to be a little bit um, 
I don't know if intimidate is the word, but they're just a little quieter because they, they want the, the, the physicians and the oncologists to, to kind of lead the, the charge. And then, um, you know, another, another challenge that we hear sometimes is that, um, you know, the services are not financially supported by their administration. And, and we know, and research shows us, that a lot of these survivorship services actually decrease costs. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at the whole picture. If you've got patients that are, are doing well, their quality of life is higher, they're less distressed, they may be able to stay on their medications more, they may, they may you know, not return to the ER or be readmitted to the hospital because they're able to, um, you know, to maintain a higher quality of life. Um, and this ultimately decreases costs. So I think that some of the challenges Kristen and I face are, um, are just people that say, well, you know, this is, a, this is, a, this is an extra, this isn't a, a priority, this isn't a, necess- a necessity, when actually it, it truly is. So those are, the some, one of our, thing those that, are some of my challenges. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and I think not all people who are listening to our show, for instance, um, live in, a, in a, a large city with a huge cancer center that have all these mm-hmm. resources. And I think the, the important thing is, at least from my perspective, is um, we need to be our best health advocate, right? And we need to look out for ourselves. So if these services are not being offered to us, then we need to ask for them, right? That's right, and, absolutely. And I'm sorry, that's, that's squeaky exactly wheel. <laughs> and I are, are really focused on right now is making sure that not only are the patients um, aware of the services that are available to them, and again, many of them are covered by insurance, but but also, you know, it, it's really not appropriate that only large healthcare systems with large cancer centers that have deep pockets are able to um, provide these types of services to their patients. We need community hospitals and, and rural hospitals and, and smaller physician groups to know what services are available and how to get their patients into these services. And, and that's mm-hmm. what Kristen and I do. We focus on the processes and, and getting the organizations to, to get their patients in the right places. Good. That's great. Good. Yeah. I think that's amazingly helpful because, again, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? And as a patient exactly. going through this the first time, you know, you don't even know what to ask for or what to look for. And, you know, to me, it almost seems like if you're going to be on some sort of a Taxol-type drug, for instance, that you should be connected like proactively to someone like yourself who can manage those like those prehabs you were talking about Mm -hmm. you know managing Mm -hmm. the fact that you may get neuropathy from this drug and so you know these are the things to look out for and when it starts boom then you're already in place to be able to fight it does that make sense to you Makes yeah, perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Really that's how we're going to change culture. And that's, that's a change in culture, and that's, that's the goal, that, that everybody walks into a system and says, here's your therapist, your physical therapist, here's your nutritionist, and then that person takes care of you along your journey to identify the problems you have, you know, right away. Right, you know, right. It, should, it really Ladies, should be this... up to the patients and the, and the caregivers to be looking for the services. They should be, um, you know, readily available. Patients should be screened systematically to make sure that nobody falls through the cracks. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, there's a lot of problems that patients have that, that people can't just, you know, see from looking at them. They need to ask and they need to dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and, um, and identify what's happening. Yeah. yeah. That's 
Good advice. Listen, ladies, we're, we're going to run out of time here, and I don't want to. I really want to get to, to a, a last kind of final thought, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to switch gears for a little bit. But, you know, we want to talk about thriving from diagnosis and beyond. Sharon leads a retreat through Breast Friends. It's called Thriving Beyond Cancer. It's a, We do it four times a year at the Oregon coast, and it's wonderful. It's also the title of her new book coming out, and we're in in this workshop and in her book, you know, she talks about we've gone through the journey, now what? Can you please give us your insight as to what you believe is the key to thriving? And I'm going to give you about two minutes to answer that question. Absolutely. Well, thriving, in my, my point of view, is really it's the ability to do the things that you need to do every day and the things that you really want to do without emotional, financial, or, or physical restrictions. And so that means that your body is resilient enough to function the best it can in any given moment. Okay. So okay. it doesn't matter if you are always going to be on chemo for the rest of your life. Um, you know, one of my girlfriends was able to run during her chemo treatments because mm-hmm. for her, that was surviving and thriving at the same time. She needed to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So it just, if you survive cancer and you're sitting in a chair and you can't do what you want to do, what's the point? You know, if you're, yeah. if you're mm-hmm. going to go through a cancer diagnosis, you want to thrive. You don't want to get back to an, a new normal. You want to get back to your old normal and improve on your, on your old normal and, and be, be the best that you can be. And so I, I, I look forward to reading your book. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, it, it just, that's what we all need to do. And, and I just think this whole segment was so perfect because being able to identify your issues acutely is going to help people not just survive. It's, it's going to make them thrive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. And and I'll go right back to the beginning of um, our, the way we started the show about your purpose, you know, because if all you want to do is sit in your chair and, and watch television, you're probably not going to do very well. Right. You'll do well at that. Right. Well, yeah, but right. that probably won't increase your lifespan or uh, decrease your Alzheimer potential and all the things we talked about briefly at the beginning. So, so yeah, I think thriving. You know, I don't, I don't want to just survive something. I actually want to thrive because of it. Maybe even. Um, right. So yeah. Well, and I, it, I think that the bottom line for you know for me at least is that patients need to be heard and and their caregivers need to know what is important to them. That's what needs to be prioritized because thriving is going to be different for every patient. Some people are Absolutely. going to feel that thriving is, is living as long as possible under any circumstance. And some are, are going to think that thriving is dying with dignity, but most people are somewhere in the middle. And yeah. you know, those patients that have that sense of control over what's happening, I think are the ones that seem to thrive the most. So we've got to give them the control over, over their... Yep. Their, Ladies, we uh, are we are out of time. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Tell people how they can reach you. A website. What's the best way to reach you if they want more information or to learn more about your program? And we, absolutely very quickly. Thanks so much, uh, Kristen. Um, uh, well, I can just jump in. Our uh, our website is survivorshipsolutions.com. And uh, if you visit our website, you can read what we offer and uh, how to get in contact with us. And we can certainly help you find survivorship, uh, survivorship services in your area. Um, Excellent. If you're a organization, you. we can help you get them in place. Thank you okay. so much. Well, we have to go. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope. And we are here to help you find it. Thank 
for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.